Good morning, everybody. Ma'adim b'simcha. Today, Bezat Hashem, will be learning. Daf Mem Gimel in Maseches Yevamos. But we start six lines up in the bottom of Mem Beis and Beis because we will be talking about a Mishnah, the majority of today. The Mishnah is on Mem Aleph, Amad Aleph, and we're going to analyze aspects of this Mishnah. So I think it's worthwhile by way of introduction. I promised Andrew I would get to the mission on the bottom of Mem Gimel Amid Beis, so that's where we're headed. That's our destination. Begin with the end in mind, as Andrew always says. But the mission says very, very quickly. So I'll, I'll read it fast, and I'll say it outside, so to speak. This is the mission on the bottom of Aleph. You don't even have to look there if you don't want to. So, this whole first section of the Mishnah basically says anybody who gets married has to make sure that they have three months, right, in between their previous marriage. And that's true even if it's a Yavama, right? Um, and even Yibum or Chalitza, that's how it ends up by us in our, in our Gemara. Now, this, has, this is true also of Arison and Nisuin. Now, the truth of the matter is, we already have discussed that the reason for this three-month waiting period is in order to determine who is the father, right? In order to not have any confusion as who is the father, that's why you wait three months. So why would this have anything to do with Chalitza or Arison? So it's what we would call a low plug, right? In other words, even though Arison, as we know, you don't have, right? You're not having relations with Arison, so why should it matter? We'll call it, it's Kiddushin, really, right? But we'll call it the uh, part before the Nisuin. Um, so that, that, that uh, stage, you're not really having any issues of anybody be, be conceiving. And yet, we made it a little plug. Anybody, if you're going to want Kiddushin or Nisuin, you're going to have three months. That's what the first part of the Mishnah says. But then, uh, the Mishnah continues. says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, HaNisuin Sisar, Right? So he's, Chutz which is a different thing. The point is, Rabbi Yehuda says the more, I would say, biologically logical, since we have Dr. Schwab here, uh, uh, answer, which is that you're talking about Arusos, they're not, have, right, they're not having chuppah. So if they're not having chuppah, then there's no reason really for them to, right, other than the lop look, there's no reason for them to have to wait three months. In other words, you know you want to marry this woman. She just had a previous marriage. So you do a kiddushin a month later, okay, and then after you do kiddushin, you wait two months, and then you do the nisuin. That should be okay, says Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. And then Rabbi Yossi adds, and we'll be discussing today what Rabbi Yossi is mentioning, adding in the Mishnah. He says, Kol almana. We'll see, what is he trying to add here? In other words, with the almana, the almana obviously has a different thing. They are not going to get, so Rabbi Yossi sounds like he's adding something to Rabbi Yehuda. That's going to be a big discussion today. Rabbi Yossi is saying that anybody can have Nisuin, Kol Hanashim, we'll see who he refers to. But again, he's saying not Nisuin, uh, but Kiddushin. In other words, anybody can have Arison uh, for the reason we mentioned, presumably, right? You could always do Arison because Arison has no chuppah, except for the Almana, right? Why the Almana? Because she, we'll see, this is not a three-month issue, but this is a one-month issue of Avelis, right? That's what he says in the Mishnah. So in other words, if she wants, if you want to marry and almana, so you can do kiddushin, but you have to wait a month, right? You don't have the three-month issue of having to, right, make sure who the father is, but you can wait a month. Uh, why do you have to wait a month? Because there's what we call shloshim. Shloshim is that period of, right, avelus, where we are concerned that you shouldn't have erison. The Gemara will address this. Is that true? They can't uh, have erison during shloshim. That will be a topic that you have to look forward to Today's daf. Okay. Now, where do we begin in six lines up from the bottom in Bays and Bays? What is the issue here? Well, before we said uh, like this, that Rabbi Yochanan supposedly paskin like Rabbi Yossi. Right, but Rabbi Yossi was cholik uh, on our Mishnah. So the question we asked up until now on Membez was, wait a minute, can Rabbi Yochanan argue on a Stam Mishnah? See, what do I mean by Stam Mishnah? Stam Mishnah means a Mishnah that has no authorship attributed to it, right? So typically, when Rebbe put together the Mishnayas, if he didn't attribute, if he attributed the Mishnayas or whatever he's saying to a specific daya, to a specific source, 
So then he's saying that's his opinion. Certainly if he had a machlokas, so then you have to see who he paskin like. But if he didn't attribute any source, it's called the Stam Mishnah, it's assumed that everybody would agree like that. The halacha would be like a Stam Mishnah. Yochanan himself says halacha like a Stam Mishnah. But our Mishnah, and the reason I had to read it is because the Mishnah in Aleph has a unique construction, has a Stam Mishnah in the Tanakhama, the first statement, which says everybody has to wait three months no matter whether it's Erisin or, or Nisuin, that portion of the Mishnah doesn't have any author that we see. And therefore, you would think that that would be the halacha. And yet, Rabbi Yochanan seems to say that he holds like Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Yossi is arguing on the Stam Mishnah, but the construction of our Mishnah is Stam in the beginning, and then a Machlokas at the end. So is that a Stam Mishnah or not? That's the question. And that also launches a question about, in general, what if you have, for example, a Mishnah that has Machlokas, and then you have a Brisa somewhere else. Now, what's the difference between a Mishnah and a Brisa? The Mishnah is like edited versions of the Brisa. Rabbi Chia had all these braces. He was like, had the best notes in Shear, right? He had incredible uh, recollection, accurate braces, we'll call it. But Rebbe, when he put it together, Rebbe was Rabbi Chia's Rebbe. When he put it together, that, those Mishnais were more highly edited, okay? And therefore the Mishnais become more authoritative. So this is what launches a discussion uh, that is the topic of Dafim Gimel, of how do you uh, give, how do you paskin if you have different sources saying different things, be it Mishnahis and Brises. So let's go and we join a story. A story. Rabbi Nacham was like the Mishamish of Rabbi Abau. Both massive Tamir Chachamim, as you'll see, obviously. And they're, they're walking on the way. So as they're walking, Rabbi Nacham is just hearing Rabbi Abau say over Tyrus, okay? Saying over halachas. So So listen to this question that 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 Nachum has of Rabbi of his Rabbi Rabbi Abo. He asks him, "What would you say in a situation where you have a machlokas, let's say, in the Mishnah, and then you have the hemshech of the Mishnah uh, be anonymous?" So Amar Leisar Abo said, There it seems obvious that the halacha will be kastam because again you have machlokas, and then sort of the punchline of the Mishnah would be uh, an authoritative right. No, anonymous part of the Mishnah. Okay. So then Rabbi, Rabbi Bo asks, so then Rabbi Nachum asks his Rabbi Rabbi Bo, Stam, Mai. What would be the case there if you have Stam like our Mishnah is like that, right? It has a Stam Mishnah and then it's followed by a dispute. So Amalei, So there, the Lacha is not like the Stam Mishnah. Interesting. Stam What if you have a. Why is, why, why is it interesting, Tom? I think it's interesting because the. Because it gives us a. Uh, an insight into the, why the Mishnahis were organized a different way, they, it's more deliberate than you even thought. They put a lot of thought into it. Really? Without, that goes without saying. But here, the structure could teach you what the halacha is, and you can learn a lot from that. Because then you'll know what the halacha is if you were paskining, right? Yes, like someone said, it's symmetry. Right. Now, of course, you're not going to paskin for Mishnahis. We know that we don't do that. But the poskin themselves, that, as the halacha develops, they have to know these rules. Okay. It makes uh, it easier. It's like, uh, you know. It's, it, it's guidelines, okay. Topics, so then. Topics. Right. So, Stam Machlokas with Raisamai. What if you have um, Stam Mishnah and then a Raisa with Machlokas? So, there, certainly, I'm a lay halachic Stam, right? Then, for sure, you would say the halacha would be like a Stam Mishnah. Then he says, Machlokas with Mastisim is Stam with Raisamai. What if you have a Machlokas in the Mishnah and then a, an, an, a Raisa that, let's say, takes sides in that Machlokas, right, that is without authorship? So, Amar lay. And now we finally arrive in Mem Gimel and Aleph. And so, Rabbi Abba said to him, Rabbi Lo Shna'a, Rabbi Chia, Minayin Lo. Fascinating idea. In other words, as Rashi says, Rabbi Shasidah at the Mishnah, Lo Shna'a, Shatay Mishnah, Shalom, Ratzel, Sosmer, right? In other words, Rabbi himself was Rabbi Chia's Rabbi, as we discussed. So, if he intended to make this, to, to show you that this Mishnah has a machlokas, Rabbi Chia, Minayin Lo, where would Rabbi Chia come off deciding that he's going to take sides in that machlokas, right? So in other words, the situation is you have a Mishnah, you have two sides of a Mishnah uh, represented, and then you have a Brisa sort of being machria, right? A Brisa taking sides in that Mishnah that's without authorship. So that, we don't say, oh, Stam Brisa trumps a machlokas in the Mishnah because Yobichia has no authority, essentially, to decide who he holds like in the Mishnah. And therefore, if he were to not mention the authorship in the Brisa, it would not be 
for the purposes of being Machri in the Mishnah, because you never override his Rebbe, which is Rebbe, who um, edited the Mishnah, would purposely put that there in a Machlokas form in order to show you Machlokas. So if it's not authoritative, then it just, ha- in a, if the Brysa is not authoritative, it's not to teach you uh, to take sides, but rather it, ta- it was taught anonymously um, without any significance. It just happens to be sort of like a, a data point, but nothing that you can paskin from uh, over a Mishnah. Fine. That was what uh, Rabbi Abba uh, told Rabbi Nachum. So I'm lay. So now listen to how, what Big Tam Chacham Rabbi Nachum is. He asks him the following question of Rabbi Abba. Ve'atnan, he's going to ask him from a Mishnah in Kalim. What do we know about Kalim? We know that Kalim are only Makabal Tumah if they're functional. That's, that's uh, in Masech Shabbos. It's all over the place. We've already seen it. So, Masrek Shel Pishton. So let's say you have a flax comb. Okay. So at what point does it become not usable? So let's say the teeth of the comb fell out, but there's still two teeth left. So Tameos. The, what is? The, um, the comb is still tame, which is to say it's still Makabal Tumah, because it's still functional with two teeth, okay? But achas, but if you have a comb with one tooth, tahora, then that's not a comb, and therefore it's tar, meaning it's not makabotuma, it's not a kli, okay? Bechulan shenitlu, but if any of the teeth were detached, achas v'achas b'fnei atman tameos. In other words, the individual teeth themselves, in other words, the comb with one tooth isn't going to be, right, uh, isn't going to be makabotuma because it's not functional, but the teeth themselves are functional. Why? You can use them as a toothpick, right? You can use them for something, okay? So that's not that's not the example it gives, but you can use it for something. Okay, that is a flax comb. Then the Mishnah goes on to say, "Shelt samer." If you have a wool comb, shenit lushinav achas mibenatayim tahar. That if every other tooth in the comb was removed, it's not mekabel tuma nishtayir b'shalosh b'makamechad tame. But you need to have three in one place in order to be mekabel tuma, in order to be considered a kli. Okay. However, if in that grouping of three, now already you see contrast, which the Gemara will bring up, between the uh, <coughs> the flax comb and the wool comb, <coughs> the first part of the, as we analyze this, we'll assume they're the same comb, but maybe they're not, we'll say. But the point is, whatever the reason is, the first part of the Mishnah with the flax comb is talking about two teeth. Here we're talking about three teeth. Okay, and then the Mishnah continues to just explain in Kalim that if one of those aforementioned three teeth happens to be the outer one, then it's Tahar. Why? Because you need to have three teeth and the outer tooth was wider, right? So if you can imagine like a frame with wide teeth at the end, those aren't really teeth. I mean, they're called teeth because they protrude, but they're wider and therefore they have no combing capacities. And therefore, if one of the three teeth that we're talking about that you need in, in a wool comb in order to, to function, it happens to be the edge end tooth, that's not going to be good enough, tar, that's going to be considered as if it were two teeth, okay? Now, another issue, if two of the teeth were removed and you turn them into tweezers, then tameos would be tame, about achas, right, they're not using it for a toothpick, but let's say you had only one tooth out of this wool comb and you prepared it for cleaning a lamp or for stretching stuff out, mituach, um, stretching out a cloth, like a pin for that, tameo. So then it's tame. So it sounds like you, know, you have to fashion it into something. So you have two parts of the Mishnah. Clearly, the flax comb and the wool comb have differences, right? One needs three uh, in order to be functional. One needs two. One, the um, teeth individually uh, in the flax comb are immediately usable. In the wool comb, they're not. So what's the difference here? So... In this case, the Kaimalan, and for this you have to understand that um, mm-hmm. that in, that parallel to this Mishnah, okay, in Kalim, there's a brisa. There's a brisa that appears in a Tosefta. I would never know it uh, if it were not for the fact that right the Mefarshim explain it. You don't see it in the Gemara. So there's a brisa that says that um, that there's a machlokus about this. In the brisa, there's a machlokus about whether a single tooth from a flax comb is immediately susceptible. Um, okay, Rabbi Shimon is the one that says that it is. Okay, and that is the opinion that appears in our Stam Mishnah and Kalim, is the flax comb uh, over there. So Rabbi Shimon says that it is, and that's the opinion that, that's in the Mishnah. So again, in the Bryce, that's a machlokas. In our Mishnah, there is no machlokas, it's a Stam Mishnah. So according to the very basic rules uh, of Rabbi Abahu, Certainly we would hold like our Mishnah, which is like Rabbi Shimon. We would hold that it's immediately, 
It's immediately a makabal tumma. A, when I say it, I mean the tooth of a flax comb. Is immediately susceptible to kuma, to tuma, as is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon in the Brisa that has a machlokis, or as is the Stam Mishnah over here in Kalim. Oh. So says Rabbi Ravnacha, but Kaimalan, the Ainalacha, but Osam Mishnah. Huh. But we already learned, happens to be, that that's not how we paskin. He knew that. We don't know that. But he knew, he had a source, that that's not how we paskin, even though that's the Stam Mishnah. In other words, we have a case here of a machlokas in a brisa and a stam mishnah uh, that, takes a, that takes a side on that machlokas and we don't paskin like the stam mishnah. How could that be? You need to know a lot of Torah, Andrew. You can't even just, you can know Gansas and still not know it because you need to know the brisas and the tosaftas. Okay. So how are we supposed to Well, we this? Well, because we have the Gemara now. So, but you're right. Rav Nachum was a bigger time than us. That's, so, that goes that question. So we don't really understand how he got his... Uh, that's what the how did he know? Well, he knew it because he was in the base medish all day, and so he knew more than just all the shots. He knew all the prices and everything. And they, and they didn't have distractions then. They didn't right, they no, didn't have Angry Birds. They didn't have the, and YouTube, right. everything like we have today. Right. Waste that time. Right. Know? So Rabbi Abou, right. So, so, so how do you resolve this? Rabbi Abou says like this. No, Amalei, bar no da'ahi. The usual rule of a Stam Mishnah Right, being stronger than a machlokas and a brisa is always true, except for that you pick the one Mishnah in all of Shas. That's how brilliant this guy was. He found the one Mishnah in Kalim wow. buried in the 13th paragraph that, 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 that's in all of Shas that doesn't follow this rule. How, how so? Because already with regards to that Mishnah, both have already said, Zu ain't a Mishnah. This is a corrupt Mishnah in some way. What's wrong? Why is this Mishnah a bad egg? Ask the Gemara, my time. What's wrong with this Mishnah? So Amar Vuna Rabbanach Mishmei Der Vidi Breder Vika Mishum Dekasha Reishel Seifa. Well, for one, there's internal contradictions we've already alluded to in the Mishnah, the Katani, because we're still learning Yavama Sanjur, right? But we have no puppets here. This is Kalim. A little break for you. The Katani Shel Tzemer Shenit Lushinov Achasim Benatayim Tahor. Right. So remember, in the first part, the well, actually, in the second part of the Mishnah, we talk about the wool comb, and there we said that if you removed one of the teeth, it's and it needs to have some sort of preparation in order to be makabotuma. In other words, without preparation, tar, right? It says it is not tame. Right? And we also said that it's makabotuma. It implies that if you had two teeth in one place next to each other, maybe it would be tame. And then it says, and then it says it needs three in one place, tame. So it, it's. It's uh, internally contradictory as to whether you need two or three teeth. The Gemara says, my Yeah, the inner row of teeth maybe only needs two to remain functional, and the outer maybe only needs, right, maybe needs a full three to remain functional. You know, what exactly these, um, you know, we don't comb a lot of wool and flax today, but you see the diagram and the art scroll, the, um, Right, the functionality, this is a clee that had different parts of the clee have, have different functionality, and therefore it is possible that it's referring to different parts of the clee, and therefore the Mishnah is not necessarily internally contradicting. In other words, right, Rav Shmuel, we're trying to figure out what did they find was problem? Why is this Mishnah, so to speak, a bad egg, right? So the fact that it's contradictory about the number of teeth is not enough of a reason, because that could be referring to different parts of the Kli. But this could be the reason why they didn't like the Mishnah. So if you recall, we said with regards to the flax comb, that each, the, uh, actually with, uh, right, that if, that, that each individual tooth in the comb could be used, let's say, for a toothpick, even without any preparation. You don't have to do anything right away. As soon as it falls off, it's still considered makabal tumah. Ema seifa, however, later, with regards to the wool comb, we said, achas viskin ler mituach We said that those have to be fashioned into something usable, either for cleaning a lamp or stretching out a cloth, but it's not immediately ready-made makabal tumah immediately upon falling off the combs. And so therefore, um, so therefore, what's the, so there it implies, it's kina in, loit kina lo. There it's implying that only if you fashioned it, right? So why by the wool comb, does it, we're presumably the same, similar combs, so why would the teeth of a wool comb need to be prepared in order to be makabotumah, where there's the teeth of a flax comb don't need to be prepared? It seems to be contradictory. So Amar Abaye, Umay Kusha. Yeah, we got into this with Yavamas, because you see, because our Mishnah and Mim Aleph, 
has a unique structure. It starts off as a Stam Mishnah and then breaks off into Machlokas. So that, that leads us, launches a discussion onto how to Paskin in these matters. And so we have a unique Mishnah in Kalim that gives us insight into that issue. So Amar Abayi, Umay Kusha. Oh, it doesn't have to do much with Yavamas. Well, it, hasn't, it doesn't do with Yavamas yet, no. But it's still hard enough to... But that's your Gerano, it's moment, Gerano. It's all interrelated. Amar Abayi, Umay Kusha. What's the difficulty? Dilma Habakat Yahu. Right? Habakat Yahu. Somehow, these teeth of these combs have handles. So if they have handles, so then they don't need uh, any further preparation. They're already ready-made. Habakat Yahu. You know, the new, uh, the new fashion toothpicks have, are the ones that you hold, right? That's the one you get at right wow. where you don't even need to, to, to use the string. Anyway. Uh, you don't need to break off the string. But without those handles, it's not a clee. You need to turn it into a clee. Fine. That is... So still, we don't know why Rav Shmuel didn't like the Mishnah. So, Rama Rav Papa. Rav Papa is also seeing uh, this fashion versus non-fashion distinction, not real distinction. Umay Kushi says, Right. So maybe the first one is talking about narrow teeth, which... With, uh, this is really he's talking about the second section. The wool one that needs to be fashioned is talking about narrow teeth um, which need a little bit of preparation. And limata. But when you're talking about the flax section, the, the first part of that mission, Caleb, it's talking about nice, zaftig, stark teeth that don't need any preparation whatsoever. In other words, different teeth. So say this is a contradiction in the Mishnah, different mitzias between the, the ratio and the Seifa. I would have just said, Dr. Schwab, I don't know why they didn't say this. Yeah, wool comb and flax comb are different. That's what I would have said. And therefore they have different halachas. But that's because I don't know anything about wool or flax combs. So apparently there's more to it than that. But be that as it may, we don't see a contradiction. So then, therefore, why did Rabbi Shmuel not like the Mishnah? Says the Gemara, Elamishum de Misaimi ba Davkane. Zu Divi Rabbi Shimon. Ah, who are the Davkane? The Dafka people. What's Dafka? Dafka is people who cross every T and dot every I. They are very meticulous. You have to be, when you're doing a diagnosis, you have to be very, very meticulous, precise. So those who looked at the Mishnais in the most precise fashion, the most precise edited version of that Mishnah, says, in fact, Zu Diver Shimon. Oh, well, that's what the issue is. That Rav Shmuel said, what's imprecise about this Mishnah is not the internal contradiction. That is Oiskehalt, and the Mishnah is glot. What's imprecise is that it looks like a star Mishnah, and it's not. So how do you like that? Rav Nachum picked out, he, he, he sniffed out the one Mishnah in all of Shas that has no authorship, that looks like a Stam Mishnah, but sure enough, is, has authorship. Uh, it's, a, it's attributed to the Shita of Rabbi Shimon. And it's for that reason that that Mishnah can't be used as an example, right? And therefore, in every other case, Rabbi Abou says, my principles that I laid out before you apply, it is only in that case where the halacha doesn't apply and we hold like Rabbi Shimon because in fact that mission was written uh, in, 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 to reflect the position of Rabbi Shimon. So now we're going to go back to Yavamas for you, Gerano. It's in the middle of the page. I'm going to give him a little say like this. Shalach Rabbi Chia Bar Avin. Chia Avin issued the following halacha. Me'arasin toch shlosha v'chein osin maisa. So, you know, guess what? Like Rabbi Yossi, wow, he doesn't paskin like Aristotle Mishnah, but he rather says that if you're going to do Arison and you're not going to do Nisuin, then you could do that within three months because we're not worried. We know who the father is, assuming that you don't do the Nisuin within three months. Obviously, Andrew, don't get carried away, right? Assuming all you're doing is Arison, you could do that, that, you could do that within three months and then do Nisuin afterwards. Not only that, I've seen a lot of Yeshiva guys do that. Right? They want to do the engagement during Bein Azmanim uh, because that's when they're available and then they'll do the, the chasana of the next Bein Azmanim. Okay? So, fine. Rabbi would say, Rubo shel Rishon, Rubo shel Shlishi Bein Tzai Shalim. So, a further Kula was that guess what? Not only are you Me'aris Toch Shlosha, but you don't have to wait Three months. So this is, well, Tokshlosh sounds like Rabbi Chia Ba'avin is saying anytime during the three month, the third month, or, or maybe during the third month, or maybe anytime during. Chanina Gadol's is more specific. He says, no, you can't just get engaged right away, but the first and the third of the three month period, you can just do a Rubo Kakulo approach. 
So you, you so you comes out to a little more than two months total. If you want, wait. Okay. I'm sorry, Shalom. Obviously, the middle one has to be full. But basically, you apply Ruba Kakulo to the two ends of the month. Okay. Similarly related to that, Amemar, Sharli Aris Biyom Tishim. Amemar had the Shvachist Kula. This is a little bit of a Kula, but he says, guess what? On the 90th day, meaning you don't wait full three months and then get engaged on the next day, but you could get engaged, let's say, on the 90th day and get married, so to speak, have the Chuppah the following day. Okay. So he gives you one day. So I'm like, Rabashi La Meymar. Rabashmul Demer Tabayo, Tzvichel Hamtim Shlosha Chadashim. You know, Rav Shmuel themselves agreed that a widow has to wait three months before erosim. And at that, right, three-month period does not include the Yom Amisa and the Yom Erosim. So they disagree, right, with Amemar's um, halacha that you can get married on the last day. They say you have to, the last day you have to be full, like, you know, we're in the sphere, so it's a dafiyomi coincidence. Like we have Sheva Shavuot Tmimos. We have to wait Shavuot's night we wait uh, until after, right, after Tzais in order to make sure that we have Tamimos. So, so too with this Arison, you have the, have the full 90 days. To which Amemar replies, No. That idea of waiting the full amount was the 24-month Meineket issue. The Rabbi Shmuel, the Taivau, right, because you have to wait a full 24 months before entering Arison, as we've discussed earlier, in Masechta, So he's saying, the Yom Shenolba and Yom Shenis Arsabo, aforementioned of Rav Shmuel, was not in the context of the discussion of the three months that we're talking about now between marriages, um, between uh, marriages to men, but rather a 24 month period uh, that is applicable to when a woman is nursing or pregnant. Oh, okay. Fine. So now the Gemara asks like this Guess what? Um, you know, Yankel Shmerel from Yeshiva. He had his Arison, his Arison, the Suda's Arison, not just the Arison, mind you. You know, when you have Arison, you usually could have a Suda, um, but usually you do it by the Nisuan. But be that as it may, you could have a Suda's Arison. He did a Suda's Arison on the 90th day. He didn't wait till the next day. But the problem was, this is a problem for, right, Amemar. Guess what, Amemar? Huh. When he did that and had the Suda's Arison on the 90th day, Presumably, in con, right? Presumably, that would be um, following the halacha of Amemar, who says you can do it on the ninetieth day. Guess what Chachamim did? They showed up and sent everybody home, and he had to lose out on that entire suda. So it, said, it looks like Amemar is wrong. To which the Gemara answers, "He suudas nisuin havai." Not only so, I would have said, "Well, he did the erison." Amemar didn't say suudas erison. He said. Charlie Aris. I would say, well, this was a Suda. You're allowed to get, you do the Erisim, you're not allowed to have a Suda. But first, the Gemara says, no, that the story is wrong. It wasn't a Suda's Erisim, it was a Suda's Nisuin. Okay, well, Nisuin, we never said we could do. We only said Erisim. Maymar didn't say Nisuin. Behilchata. And here's the halacha. So when it comes to the 24 month period that you wait, right, for the nursing woman, you do not include the day that they were that, that the baby was born and the erison uh, in the twenty four. You have to wait a full twenty four in between. And utzricha lahamtim shlosha chadashim chutz miyom shemeisbo chutz miyom shenis arsabo. When it comes to erison, you have to wait the three months, and those three months do not include the yom erison. So it looks like it's connected on Maymar. That's how we paskin. Fine. So now two dots thirteen lines up in the bottom of Gimel Ralf, we say chutz melmana. What do we say? That was at the end. That was Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi held, remember, Rabbi Huda held that any time, okay, the Stam Mishnah, just to jog our memory, Stam Mishnah said, you always wait, right, the three months in every situation, even if it's Arison. Rabbi Huda said, no, what do you mean? If it's two marriages, then you have to wait because then you have to know who the father is. But he's very pragmatic. Rabbi Huda says, if you have an Arison, then that's okay as long as you hold off on the Nisuin. And then Rabbi Yossi, for whatever reason, added this idea that there's also, by the way, an Almana, you can't marry her even if you held like Rabbi Huda, it sounds like, right? You would not be able to do Arison until after 30 days because he has this concept of Shloshim, right? There's Avelis here. So Amar of Chista, Kal Vachomer, wait a minute. We have a Kal Vachomer that seems to refute the Halacha of Rebiosi. What's the Halacha of Rebiosi? That you're not allowed to get uh, engaged, so to speak. You're not allowed to have Arison and Kiddushin during the Shloshim. Is that really true, says Rav Chista? That may not be Hilchas Avelis. 
it could be that you could get engaged during Shloshim. How do we know? From a Kalbachomer. When are you not allowed to be Mechabes? It's during what we call Shavur Shechalbo. Right? You're not allowed to launder. During Shavur Bechalbo. Now we're talking Hilchas Avelis of Tishabab. So, and yet we know that you're allowed to uh, have Erisin during Shavu Shechalbo. Well, during Shloshim, you're allowed to launder, certainly. So why shouldn't you be allowed to do Erisin? That should be a Kalvachomer, right? In other words, how can you forbid Erisin during Shloshim when you can have Erisin even during Shavu Shechalbo? When you're not allowed to launder. So the Gemara says, Maihi. What's the source? Let's let's dig a little deeper. Where do we know that you're allowed that you're not allowed to launder, but you are allowed to get engaged, so to speak, during Shavuot Shachalba? Well, not. We have a mission in Tainus. It says Shabbos Shachal Tishabah B'Taycha. We already learned Tainus. This should be familiar to you. Shavuot Shachalba. Also, the black on white. Can't get a haircut. Can't do laundry. Uvechamishi Mutter. However, when Tisha B'av falls out on Friday, which it never does with manas anymore, but a side point that if it did, then on Thursday you're allowed to, at that point, do launder clothing with Mikvah Shabbos. Fine. Because otherwise, if he didn't let you, you wouldn't have clean clothes for Shabbos. But Tanya, but, but be that as it may, you're allowed to launder during Shabbos Chalbo. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to launder. And then, so we know that that's also. And then we learned in Ebrisa, beyond that, Kodem Hazman Hazeh. Kodem Azmanazeh is the Bryce's Lushen for before, what's Azmanazeh? Tishabam. Meaning, Shavu Shechalbo, the same time period that the mission discusses. Kodem Azmanazeh. Ha'am mimatin be'iskehen. People start restricting, right, uh, commerce. Milisa umiliten, which means from commerce. Umilivnos vilintoa, also building and planting. Umi'arsin avalokonsin. How do you like that? The Bryce says that this very same time period that we talked about of Shavuah Shechalbo, where the mission said you're allowed to, you're not allowed to do laundry, you are allowed to, you're not allowed to do Nisuin, but you are allowed to do what? Erisin. So we see that during Shavuah Shechalbo, you're allowed to do Erisin, and you're not allowed to do laundry. The ain osin sudas Erisin. And it adds not only, right, that even though you are allowed to do Erisin, you're not allowed to do the Seudas Erisin. Okay. So be that as it may, you're not allowed to do the pseudo Erisin, but you're allowed to be Ma'ares, so we see that even though you're not allowed to do laundry, you are allowed to do Erisin. So, huh. So maybe that would be, so maybe based on that, you should learn that Erisin should be allowed during Shloshim because after all, you're allowed to do laundry during Shloshim, so it seems that Shloshim is a more Kal, right, morning period than Shavuot Shechalbo. Therefore, Kal Vachomi should be able to do Erisin. So the Gemara says, no. Kitanya Hahi. When were we saying that Erisin, in fact, was allowed? Kodem the Kodem. It didn't really mean Shavu Shechalbo. It meant before that, right? During Shavu Shechalbo, the Gemara thinks it wasn't. Because it said, right, it, it, it's unclear. It says, Kodem Hazmanazeh. Kodem Hazmanazeh, we assumed, meant Shavu Shechalbo. Now we're saying not really. Maybe it means the nine days, okay? Maybe it means the three weeks. Uh, and but but during the actual Shvushachalbo, Erison would in fact at that point already be be usher. And you can see that, Andrew, right? Somebody wants to do Erison. You say they ask Rabbi Rose, "Can we do it during the three weeks?" He says, eh, "I don't love it, but you could do it. You can't have a suda, but you could do the Erison. Nine days, maybe, maybe. But if you ask him Shvushachalbo, he says, "Come on, man. He'll tell you to wait till after potentially, right?" And so that uh, we could see that that could be the halacha. However, Amarava, but call him to call him Nami Kalvachomer. Wait a minute. Yeah, but even during the nine days, we have a Kavachomer. Why? You know, we just said that what? Whatever's going to apply to that Brysa, we already say, right? We say Ma'arsin. Okay, but we also say that we have to reduce commerce. So that much we know. So let's say we're talking about nine days. Okay, well, also Lisa Velitain. So we say we don't want you to engage in commerce during nine days. Still Muterli Ares, right? However, time period, whatever time period you ascribe to that b'risa, it, the halacha is clear in the b'risa that you're not allowed to do business, or you, at least you reduce business, and yet you are allowed to do erison. So we see, and guess what? During Shloshim, are you allowed to do commerce? Yes. So whichever time period you're going to ascribe to it, now you still have a kalvachomer, because 
we see that this time period, you're not allowed to do business, and yet you're allowed to do Arison. Well, guess what? During Shloshim, you are allowed to do business. And therefore, it should follow, therefore, that during Shloshim, you should also be able to do Arison. Okay, so how are we going to uh, resolve this, uh, this contradiction? So he said, Wow. We have to amend our Mishnah. Say, Rabbi Our Mishnah, Rabbi said, all the women can have Arison. No, that's not what it means. It means all the women uh, can have Nisuin, except for during Shloshim. So when he says this exception of Avelis is not talking about Arison, it's talking about Nisuin. Nisuin, you cannot have. Wow. Okay, well, that's quite a difference, right? Well, but we could see, right? Meaning, Arison, in our days, certainly, we can appreciate it because Arison and Nisun is happening in the same day. It's the same, you have Retchus and you have Nussi Gross and you have everybody together. It's all happening in one shot. Okay. Wait a minute. So, the real question is, once you say that, you create more problems. Because if you say, as we turn to Gimel Beis, right? Once you say that he's talking about Nisuin, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Nisuin? That what? That all women can have Nisuin with the exception of after an Almana? Uh, hold on a second. That already flies in the face of Rabbi Yehuda and flies in the face of, of the Tanakama. That means that Rabbi Yossi is making a massive Chiddush. Up until now, we said, okay, well, as a matter of pragmatic, if your, your concern is you want to know who the father is, so then Arison should be allowed. Once Rabbi Yossi is saying Nisuin, so then what does that mean? That he does not hold up this idea of Havchin, of Avchana? He doesn't care? Who, to know who the father is? He doesn't hold up this three-month period. He, he can even have Nisuin and Nisuin back-to-back, right? Because again, if you're allowing Nisuin after an Almana, by definition, you mean an Almana is by definition married, right? And in Nisuin was, is, is by definition marriage. So how are you allowing two men to cohabit with this woman within a three-month period? Don't you care about Afghana? So the says, one of three possible answers. Number one, Laisley. Number one, yeah, maybe that's true. Ain't chinami, as they say. Abiyasi doesn't care. He'll figure it out some other way. He holds it. You don't have to wait three months. Wow. It's a, it's a wild Kiddush indeed. Number two. Maybe say he holds and everybody holds of this idea of Avchana. Maybe Rabbi is not really saying, right, um, he does, on the Nisuin side, has to be Nisuin, right? We're forced into that because of the Avelis issue. Because we see that there's only real Avelis, right, um, uh, for the, for the Nisuis. Uh, meaning, you can, only, you can have Arison during 30 days. So it has to be that the Nisuin is the problem. So, he, so then, maybe you're going to say, that he says on the other side, the only case where he's saying that you could really have Nisuin is when the first woman is not really an Almana, but it was an Arusa, or not an Almana, meaning Nisuin, but Almana from Arison. Or a Grusha from Arison, right? Now, of course, Grusha doesn't have Avelis, but the point is that the first woman is, had Arison. In other words, the case of Rebiosi in the Mishnah has to be that the second woman had Nisuin, because that's the only time that you have a problem during Avelis, which means, and, and, which means that if you hold of Avchana, it has to be that the first woman did not have Nisuin, but rather only had Arison. That's the point. Well, the Gemara then says, he, okay, I knew Rebiosi. Well, that's exactly what Rebiosi's point was in our Mishnah. This is why we read the mission in the beginning. Rebuda's point was that if one of the two women, either the first or the second, is only getting an heiress, then obviously you don't have a pragmatic issue of Avchana because only one woman was with this man. Oh. So the Gemara says, no. Still, you could say that Rebiosi is adding something to Rabbi Yehuda because in other words, it could be that Rabbi Yehuda and Rebiosi would agree with if the first woman was, only had Arison, that the second woman can do Nisuin. But maybe they argue about the, if, in a case where the first woman had Nisuin, whereas Rabbi Yehuda suffered Nisuin with Teres Liaris. As we said, Rabbi Yehuda just holds that as long as one of the women is only doing Arison, then you don't have to wait the three-month period. That's the very pragmatic. Rabbi Yossi suffered Nisuin Asur Liaris. And Rabbi Yossi holds a, uh, um, an interesting shita. His shita is that if a woman only had Arison and that Arison was somehow broken, then a woman afterwards can have Nisuin right away. But if the, woman, the first woman had a full-fledged Nisuin, so, so in that case, you can't even have Arison afterwards. So Rabbi Yehuda would hold that it works both ways. 
Rabbi Yossi perhaps would hold that it does not work both ways. That and 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 I could maybe just kind of like conjecture uh, a, a rationale might be you know at this stage in the Gemara, which would be again a woman that never had any suins, so then she's not really considered. Uh, you're not really concerned that there was ever going to be a child here. And so in that direction, it makes sense. You can have any soon now. Now, that was like almost like a broken engagement, so to speak. That's not real marriage. Whereas once a woman had real Nisuin, so you could see that's a real marriage. And then if you're going to allow Arison afterwards, who knows? One thing could lead to another, right? It could become Nisuin, or there is more likely for people to get confused. Perhaps that's the rationale of Rebiosi. Gemara asks, wait a minute. If a suburb is Rebiosi, Nisua, Surliaris, does Yossi really hold the Nisua? Does he hold differently than Rabbi Huda? And he holds that once you have Nisun, you can't have Arison? Fatanya, we have a Bryce of Rabbi Yossi Omer. Kol Hanashimis Arsu. That anyone can get engaged. We'll call it. Chutzmin Almana Mipneha Ibul. And this is his Allah in our Mishnah. Then Almana can't get engaged right away. Bekama Ibul Shalash Loshim Yom. And as we said, that's the Shloshim. Bekulan Loinasu Achiulahen Shlosha Chadashim. And then he says, and everyone can't get married. So everyone can get engaged, but you can't have Nisun. Everyone can have Arison, but you can't have Nisun. Until you have three chadashim, right? So for that, it sounds like that it's good. So what's the question? The Gemara is going to flesh it out. Hi, my kushi. What's the problem with the brisa? Elam with the katani. If you're going to say that what it means is like we said, arsu. So if he says all the women can go into Arison, so then wait a minute. That implies that even that even the suas could go into Arison. Well, mi alima misnisin. If that's what uh, if that's what Rabbi Yossi meant. So then, why is that brisa adding? That's what the Mishnah said. Okay, right? Do you kim nasu? And the brisa can't be stronger, saying something more chiddush than the Mishnah. And the Mishnah already said that arusas grushas can get married. So hachanami here too, the brisa ha- can be understood. Call arusas grushas nasu. He's talking about erison first. In other words, we already had a kasha on this with Rabbi and therefore we already right resolved it by saying that the first woman only had erison. So that's not the that's not the problem. We 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 kind of resolve that. Elami seifa. No, the problem here is the seifa. Why? Because at the end of the brisa it says diktani. This is what the brisa says. Look carefully. There he said, in That nisuin is what you cannot do, right? But it sounds like you can do erison, right? Even. Right, even if you already had nisuin, even if the first woman had nisuin, you are allowed to have erison immediately, and that seems to be right. And it sounds like immediately, okay, all right. So that is going to be a problem. So wait a minute, I'm a rabbi, and we're going to ask. Wait a minute, but that sounds more like a Buddha. I'm a rabbi. Tarets ve'emahachi. This is the issue. Rabbi Yosi Omer kol arusas grushas nasu. This how you. This how you fix the brisa. You say. Rabbi Yossi said, anyone who had Arison, right, if the first woman only had Arison, she can have Nisuin. Chutz mi'almana mipnei ha'ibul. Right, so you have to amend it like this. You say that, no. First of all, the first woman had Arison, and anyone, once you had Arison, can have Nisuin, just like Rabbi held, except for an almana, cannot have, right, Nisuin, bekama ibul shala shloshim yom. Okay, and how much, as we said, how long is that period of mourning? It's 30 days. And then we say, And then you continue and you say that when you've had Nisuin already, then you have to wait three months, right? So now, according to this new brisa, the Seifa doesn't imply that you can have Arison right away. That was the issue with the way we read it before. But it says explicitly, right, that that once you've had Nisuin, then you can't have Arison for three months, and so now you're good. Which is to say, if you had Nisuin, you can't have Arison for three months. That's how we explained Rabbi Yossi. Um, again, we said that the Brysa doesn't sound like him. It didn't. But if you fix the Brysa, then it's exactly like Rabbi Yossi. And it is one, it's right, one directional. That if once you've had, if you've had Arison, he's going to make you, he's going to say that you can't have Nisuin unless you have, right, right, unless you have this issue of Avelis. And if you have Nisuin, so then we're going to tell you that you, that, that you uh, cannot get married in 30 days. But now we have a problem because the only way Rabbi Yossi makes sense is if you have an Almana Me'erison. Remember, 
when you when you have gerishin me'erisin, you don't sit uh, you don't sit shiva, right? That's just a broken engagement. You need to have an almana. Obviously, somebody had to have died. The chasan chalila had to have died. Well, guess what? That means that the only way Rabbi Yossi survives all of our analysis is if he has an almana mina erisin, which leads to another question in Hilchas which is if you've only had erisin and the chasan chalila dies, do you have a period? Do you sit shiva? Do you have a period of shloshim? Says the Gemara, Are you an Avel? If all you had was Erson and not Nisuin? If all you had, right? They call it an Isha. Right? It is Kiddushin after all. Right? But if all you had was Erson and not Nisuin, In other words, right? How she's not Metame to him is a whole, is a whole discussion. But the point is, there's no Avelis. Right? He's not an Onain. He's not going to be Metamela. Mesa Eno. Um, Yorsha, right? The Mesu Gobea Ksubasa. Now, Enachinami. Ksuba you're going to have, right? Because as we've already said before, the Ksuba is part of the Kedushan agreement. But the point is that, he, that he's not Yorsha, right? The, all of this is only, Avelis is only by, by Nisuin. So we have a problem. Avelis is only by Nisuin. So what is Rabiosi's case? What is an Almanami Erison? There is no such thing. So now we have to go back to the original of understanding of Yossi, right? That he allows women leaving Nisuin to enter Erison. Wow. And so the Gemara is going to try to answer this. Ela Tanahi. They have to say no. The issue, so we say, we would really be stuck if there was no such thing as a Velas of Erison. We would not really understand what Rabiosi is, is getting at. So this possibly is an answer that whether there is a Avelis for Erison is in fact itself a Machokas Tanaim, and Rabbi Yossi is going to hold like the Tanu holds that there is Avelis for Erison as follows. El Tanai, the Tanya, we have a Brisa, Rosh Chodesh, Rada Tainis, Amimatin, Meiskehen. Okay? That from Rosh Chodesh until, this is what we call the nine days, until Tishabav, people are going to restrict their commerce, Milisa, Militain, commerce, Milivin, Lanita, building and planting, Umili Ares, Umilisa, and they're not going to do Erison. And then Shabbos Shechal Tishabav Betocha Asu Lasaper Lachabes, and then what we call Shavuos Shechalbo, right? Then you're not allowed to do. Then you add on the restrictions of laundry and and haircutting. And some say that the whole month is Asur, that you're not allowed to. In other words, the entire nine days, meaning you're not allowed to do laundry. By the way, that's how Ashkenaz, right? Ashkenaz are more machmir as far in this regard. We treat nine days like Shushachalbo and Shloshim like nine days. Be that as it may, Matkiflo Ravashi. Ravashi says, no, I don't like this answer. Where do we know that when it says Erison, right, right, in other words, Rabbi Yossi is going to agree with this price. According to Rabbi Yossi, there's no Kalvachomer, right? And therefore, um, and therefore we see that there should be a problem with, with the Erison even. Wait a minute. But we say, what do you mean? Why should there be a problem with the Erison? In Avelis, how do we know it's talking about Erison? Finally, we see that Chiluk, right? Maybe it's possible that the two Bryces are not a Machlokes Tanaim, right? And rather, one, the one that says that you're not allowed to do Erison on, right, on, on the nine days is talking about you're not allowed to do the Sudas Erison. But the actual Erison you could still do. So Gemara says, no. Ihachi milisa. It does say the word Lisa. So what did it mean? Are you going to say, in other words, it has to be consistent. If you're talking about Sudas Erison, you have to be talking about Sudas Nisuin also. And that doesn't seem uh, to be necessary in the case of Nisuin. Because Nisuin itself should be enough of a Simcha to be Asr even in the absence of a Suda. Says so the Gemara Hachiyashta. Ravashi is going to say, wait. But still, I'll flip it for you. So I'll flip it to the other way. I say, okay, I can understand. You're going to say that Nisun without Suda is not a Simcha. But, you're suggest- but still, he wants it to be consistent, right? When you say Erison and Nisun, we're assuming it's the same type, either with or without a Suda. So if it's without a Suda, I can understand Nisun being a Simcha. But if you're talking about with a Suda, Wait, if you're saying with a Suda, so then Erison should be Asr. If you're going to say without a Suda, so why should Erison be Asr? I can understand <coughs> the Suin. Without a Suda, it is a Simcha. But Erison without a Suda is certainly not a Simcha. So therefore, 
Rav Ashi is going to show you, right, that it can't be, right, a machlokas about what the, what, right, what the Avelis is on Shavuot Shechalbo. Everyone's going to agree, right, that during the nine days, everyone's going to agree that Arison should be allowed. Uh-oh. So that means that there's a Kavachomer that should say that just like Arison's allowed during this nine days, it should, or, or allowed during Shloshim, it should, uh, during the nine days, it should be allowed during Shloshim. How can Rabbi Yossi argue with the concept of, the, of this, uh, of this Avelis during Shloshim? So Elam Arvashi, no. Shiny Avelis Chadashim, Avelis Yishana, Vishana Avelis Tarabim, Avelis Yachid. Two aspects. So our entire Kalvachomer that we built, our entire assumption was that there is a, a commonality, a common thread between the Shloshim Avelis and the Avelis, the personal Avelis that someone experiences after the death of, uh, of, uh, of a loved one. That Kalvachomer is now shot out of the water. Rav Salvechik, that's how builds a whole, uh, a whole world of understanding the Avelis of Tishabov relative to the Avelis of personal Avelis off of this. And mind you, the Avelis of Tishabov builds up, right? From what we call, everybody knows this part, right? That the Avelis of Tishabov, it's like the three weeks is like Yud Beis Chodesh, and the nine days is like Shloshim, and Shavu Shachalbo is, right, is like Shiva. Well, and it, go, and it ramps up, as opposed to personal Avelis, obviously, it's first Shiva, and then Shloshim, and then Yud Beis Chodesh. So we see already there's a very big difference between, first of all, Avelis Chadashayim, which is referring to a personal Avelis. Personal Avelis is much more uh, impactful, in a sense, because it's more personal, right? It's Avelis to Yachid, it's more intense, and also it's more new, it's more fresh, it's Chadasha, as opposed to Avelis for the base of Mikdash, right, which is an old Avelis that you're used to year after year, and it's also a public Avelis, so it doesn't hit... It hits everyone collectively, so everybody sort of like bears the burden together. And therefore, Arison should be forbidden, right? At You can understand Arison being forbidden, uh, meaning during a personal shloshim. Whereas when you're talking about Shavu Shachab or nine days, it might be allowed because that's more a diffuse kind of Avelos. May that Avelos be wiped out forever in, with the building of the base of Nicholas from Harabi Amenu. So now we live, we leave off with, as promised in the Mishnah, Amim Gimel Amad Beis.